Welcome and thanks for joining us today for this episode of the TB Pod. We're diving into the world of TB diagnostics. As many of you will appreciate, it's a major challenge and one of the enabling tools to allow us to realize this ambition of TB elimination. In this episode, we'll discuss the current landscape of TB diagnostics and look towards the future with emerging technologies. Today's episode will be a change up from the usual host. My name is Kavi Velen, and I'm a senior scientist with the TB program at FIND, based in Geneva. I'm involved in generating evidence to support policy on TB diagnostics and lead the access-related activities for the program. Joining me today is Dr. Morten Ruwald, the director of the Pine TB program, who has worked extensively in TB vaccines, and more recently, along with a diverse team, drives the global agenda for TB diagnostics. Welcome, Morten. Thank you, Kevin. So let's start. We have lots to get through today. So let's start just with a setting the scene for why diagnostics for TB is so important and its role in helping us achieve elimination. Can I ask if you can also provide some background to how FIND is specifically working to realize better diagnostics for TB in this space? Yeah, thank you, Kavi. That's a big question, but um, let me perhaps start by talking a little bit about the numbers. So TB is a number one killer infectious disease. Every year, about 10.6 million people are estimated to get TB. And we have a huge diagnostic gap with about 3.1 million, according to WHO, who remain undiagnosed. Of those 10.6 million, 410,000 have drug-resistant TB. And we're seeing emergence of, of, of new drug-resistant strains towards some of the the new drugs that I hope we will have time to to discuss a little bit later in this um, in this podcast. So we look at the global picture and and then we address the activities or tailor the activities to address these uh, challenges. And then the TB program I find are focusing on on three large pieces of work or work streams as we we call them. The first one is to to address the, the diagnostic gap, develop tools that are easier accessible and available where patients are seeking care so we can deliver a decentralized, perhaps even point of care TB testing to, to complement the, uh, the diagnostic modalities currently uh, available in the country. The second work stream uh, is on drug-resistant TB. And here we, we work with, uh, with with communities and with manufacturers uh, to to identify, develop fit for purpose and fast drug susceptibility testing to uh, to drive the selection of drugs for individual patients, uh, but also to to provide better antibiotic stewardship to protect the new and repurposed TB drugs uh, and regimens we have available. And then finally. The final third work stream is on, on TB transmission prevention. Uh, so here we are, we're working on new screening tools uh, and diagnostic tools for, for latent tuberculosis. Um, and the screening tools are mainly around chest X-rays and use of artificial intelligence to interpret chest X-rays. We also work on other technologies and uh, 
TB infection testing is, is we're supporting a rollout of a couple of new uh, diagnostic uh, tools, which have a big promise. Yeah, so so that's kind of the the challenges and and our activities um, summed up. Thanks, Morten. I think that description is very helpful, but clearly it's a big undertaking uh, across the spectrum of of uh, the value chain for diagnostics. And maybe just for those who may not be as familiar with TB diagnostics. Could you provide a short summary of the current state of TB diagnostics as in what are the current available methods for TB that we use today? Yeah, good point, Kavi. Uh, so so the current current available tools uh, are, are designed from sort of the classic image of tuberculosis where you are coughing up sputum, which is more associated with, uh, with kind of advanced disease. So here we... We have sputum-based technologies like smear microscopy. So examining uh, the sputum that the patients have coughed up in a, in a microscope or culturing, so setting up a bacterial culture of tuberculosis. And these two, these two technologies have been in use for almost a century. But we have also newer technologies that came to the market um, about more than a decade ago, that are using more modern molecular tools like PCR to uh, to diagnose TB. But the modern tools are expensive. They are still based on on the sputum sample, and yeah, it's it's there's a lot to be uh, to be improved on 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 the currently uh, available tools. So uh, that's very helpful. Thanks, Morten. So I think it sounds like there's a big difference in how these tests are, are implemented and, and what's needed. And and perhaps you could build on some of this by describing how accessible these are actually for for programs across the globe and, and maybe some challenges that are associated with these existing approaches to TB testing. Yeah. So access is the big problem in, in TB diagnostics. Running these sputum-based tools requires a lot of training, a lot of infrastructure, and the modern machines uh, almost a, uh, a laboratory we would uh, we would find in in Switzerland, where I'm currently sitting for this uh, interview. So, the challenge is that the diagnostics are not available where most patients are seeking care. So they have a long journey where they they sometimes see many different healthcare providers be- before the testing for TB is, is available or somebody gets the, gets the thought, okay, this could be TB. Another challenge is that the instruments are, are expensive. Uh, to give you uh, an idea here, a, um, one of these uh, relatively modern PCR machines uh, currently has a value of, of around $18,000 uh, to run and it's uh, and each test uh, is around $8. And they're difficult to run outside of, of, of most labs, as I alluded to earlier. So infrastructure is a big requirement of the current diagnostics. And therefore, we need to, to rethink, is it sputum that is the best uh, way to get access to, uh, to testing? Can we make new instruments that are cheaper and faster and easier to run? And how do we come around uh, sort of pushing diagnostics uh, closer to where the, the, the patients actually are seeking care. 
I think that's a that's a really good segue um, into the next series of questions that I have uh, for you, Morton. And I think building on what you've said and understanding where the challenges are, I think we can appreciate that during COVID, which was an unprecedented time in our history, there were certain benefits in the space of innovation that are now being leveraged uh, within the context of TB diagnostics. And hopefully trying to assess and address some of those aspects that you've highlighted. On that point, can I ask if you can highlight some of the initiatives that FIND are currently undertaking that are supporting the realization of newer technologies that will hopefully address some of the challenges that you highlighted in your prior responses? Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Um Yeah, it's clearly that, that COVID was, of course, a disaster at the global level, but but there were a lot of innovations that leapfrogged through uh, this pandemic. A lot of money f- uh, came to to uh, to develop new tools, new vaccines and new and new treatments as well. but uh, especially for the diagnostics, a lot changed. And uh, find was in the engine room of the pandemic hoarding the uh, assessment of new COVID diagnostics and rolling them out or helping the rollouts, for instance, through the um, <clears throat> ACT accelerator. So now we sort of our technologies team, which is a large cross-cutting unit, they are now picking up the best innovations that came through COVID and then supporting the manufacturers in translating uh, these platforms, new technologies, and new sampling methods to to diseases of priority for find, including uh, tuberculosis. So, how we work on on these tools? We have a, a couple of of, of really illustrative uh, projects to sort of yeah illustrate this this these kind of synergies. We work with partners to test early prototypes and support development in an NIH-funded project called uh, FEND. We're running with uh, Rutgers University in, in the US. And once the technologies are a little bit more mature and they are perhaps design-locked and, and, and ready to be uh, scaled up in, in country, then we have a Unidate-funded project called DriveGX which we run in Indonesia, India, in Kenya, and South Africa, where we take a lot of new tools, uh, three three classes of new uh, tools, which really became technically feasible through through COVID. And we're trying to then assess the, the diagnostic accuracy and the usability and, and many other things around these technologies with our partners in these four countries I mentioned. And perhaps the third example to 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 pick up on um, sort of synergy uh, synergies between COVID and 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 more traditional diseases that we work with uh, at Find is 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 our big sequencing project called uh, Sequentreat, and here we support the development and rollout of a new generation of of drug susceptibility testing tools using sequencing or targeted next generation sequencing. And here we're working with country partners to resolve implementation issues, which are inherent to to any complicated uh, technology. And this is a this is unfortunately a challenge. The, the the better the tools get in terms of accuracy, the more complicated they become, and and more 
is required to to implement them. And um, the link to COVID is here that the pandemic really demonstrated the importance of sequencing, you know, to to identify and to track the spread uh, of new variants. And therefore, many countries have invested in sequencing infrastructure. And and this is now standing idle in some countries. And and uh, it's an opportunity for for tuberculosis and other disease programs to uh, to come in and 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 really leverage that upgradation of 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 the hardware. Yeah. So that's kind of a link or a story on 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 what we're doing to to leverage the uh, the pandemic for the benefit of, of tuberculosis. Thanks for those examples, Morten. I think they're very helpful to to really understand the breadth of work that FIND is involved in, but also the complexity of tests that FIND are pursuing and continuum of activities that FIND supports to ensure that these technologies are taken up in the respective countries. But perhaps if we can spend just a minute or so on understanding this pathway for adoption of new diagnostics. I think it's very evident that it's not as simple as a manufacturer developing a product and having them assessed for consideration at the global level. And if you can provide some insights into how FIND actually supports this process, particularly at a at a country level. I think it is it is clear that that no uh, there's not one size that fits all. So we are working very closely with um, country partners, both at the Ministry of Health level, but but certainly also at the the end user level to 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 understand the country needs. And then there is, of course, the the product development phase, where we then take this information into uh, into the design phase, and. Uh, we lead to then what's called designed locked products. And then once the product is designed locked, it leaves the manufacturer and, and find then takes on a new hat here where we, for instance, are supporting accuracy trialing. So it's assessing in, in a clinical trial the performance of these new tools. And these, this is the kind of evidence that countries and the WHO and, and, and others need to to develop the um, the policy, but also accuracy. Uh, sorry, the um, the regulatory components uh, are based on on mainly accuracy trialing. But then the real work really starts in the countries where we try to take new diagnostics in and figure out in this specific setting what is the use case. How do we actually leverage this the new innovations in the best possible way for for the for the people who are seeking care in need of uh, of accurate diagnosis of of TB. Thanks, Morten. I want to pick up on a point that you mentioned in your opening remarks around engaging with civil society and communities, and I think this is especially relevant post the UN high level meeting and and really this collective from our community around how best to pursue patient-centered care, consequence of that, which allows us to effectively and sustainably implement TB interventions. And maybe asking from you to highlight how FIND is accomplishing such efforts, specifically within the diagnostic pathway. Yeah, thanks, Kavi. Um, yeah, it's clear from from 
my opening remarks on on the global situation of uh, of TB that you know out of those 10 million cases 3 million are not offered a, a diagnostic test that is a huge challenge and the need needs to be expressed and is being expressed very strongly from the civil society organizations and that voice is is a fantastic partner to uh, to work with the civil society hold the key to understanding the actual users' needs and the underground situation in the specific country or or setting. So we try to leverage uh, this important voice as, as as best as possible. As I already mentioned, we work to engage in the different projects with the civil society as as early as possible. Often, actually, even before we have a product in hand when it's already uh, it's being conceptualized so i can give an example we we, we recently did a uh, a a so-called values and preference uh, examination with uh, with a hypothetical new diagnostic scraping the back of the tongue instead of taking a, a sputum sample and then through uh, questionnaires etc we invite uh, we interviewed patients we interviewed um, the healthcare providers, etc., and 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 that was a fantastic learning experience where we where we really got a lot of understanding of of how how they saw this tool, which things needed to be treated to be optimized in for their setting, and that information we are then taking back to to the developers, and that is important feedback for them also to to have uh, in the design phase. But it doesn't stop there, you know we. We sustain these this engagement and integrate in the project activities with civil society. So civil society becomes our champions for for new tools. So we can, you know, uh, get the voice of the of the of the Ministry of Health in the country or regulators if there is a need. If we think something can go a little bit faster, it's an important voice to have as as the advocacy. Uh, for, for new tools. I think I completely agree, Morten. I think certainly there's a need to sustain these engagements and, and see how we can integrate more of the voice from the communities and civil societies in this work and, and the work around the diagnostic space. But perhaps if I can allow us to, to pivot slightly to maybe bring together some of what you mentioned around what FIND is doing, but also to highlight some of the key challenges that in your view still need to be addressed in the short to medium term for some of the advancements and technologies that you've alluded to, to really reach their full potential. I think in particular, it would be good to highlight how and why diagnostics really shouldn't be considered as a standalone effort as far as what FIND is doing, but that this should be paired alongside efforts in other domains within the TB care cascade around treatment, prevention, I think um, I think those are, are all quite important as well. Yeah, thanks. A diagnostic is often the uh, the entry point to uh, to care. And so we try to make the diagnostics available for where the patients are seeking care, but also ensuring that that the test results are linked to treatment, but also to perhaps registration of cases for surveillance, etc. But but access is the big challenge, and we face 
many barriers. I've spoken about cost and the challenges of developing fit-for-purpose tools. There are regulatory hurdles, and then there is, of course, uh, the policy in the the global level and at the indiv- individual countries. But I am quite happy to to work in TB because it is a field where we have so many partnerships, so much shared interest, and and so much passion to to actually resolve the the big challenges we are are, are facing. And um, just to give you an example, we are we're working with some of the the drug developers to make companion diagnostics available to to protect some of the the new drugs and treatment regimens that are that are being made available for for drug resistant tb these new drugs are being rolled out uh, in some countries and we are seeing a a rise in in resistance in particular to one of the new drugs which is a fantastic jo- drug called bedaquiline we're seeing resistance there and faster than we had anticipated. And we are then coming together as a, as a community to, to really uh, focus on this uh, as a big priority challenge and then working with, with the different partners to, to get the relevant uh, diagnostic developed and in use uh, where the need is, is, is biggest. Thanks very much, Morten. I know we can speak at length on all aspects related to diagnostics. And as we conclude this podcast, I'd like to offer you an opportunity to make any last comments or some final thoughts regarding why the work that FIND is doing in TB diagnostics is so important and and how others working alongside FIND can contribute to this bigger mission for equitable access to, to the diagnostics. That is a big question, but I think I'll do it quickly. So TB diagnostics or diagnostics in, in general plays a critical role for, for control of, of, of any uh, infectious uh, disease. And I think we've, we've spoken about some of the, the, the gaps and, and what we are working on with innovative new tools. And it seems to be addressing many of these, uh, these gaps we have. However, we need continued innovation, we need continued investments in this field. And to bring it back to the, uh, the conversation we, we, we were having about the, the new products, the innovations that come through COVID, it's about picking those up before these companies uh, either turn to, to, to non-infectious diseases or close because uh, the revenues uh, is disappearing after the, the pandemic. I think we have a unique opportunity now as a community, uh, to actually make the investments in 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 some of these new products um, that that have a big potential uh, in infectious diseases, general. So we made a lot of promises at the UN high level meeting for TB in in New York in the autumn of of, of last year, and I think the the scene is set. So yeah, perhaps. Just reach out to to all the partners that 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 work with Find and many other organizations to realize this TB ambition, and perhaps encourage others to to collaborate to meet these uh, ambitious uh, UN high level meeting goals. Thank you very much, Morten, for sharing your time and insights on today's episode. 
and hopefully invigorating some of the listeners about the prospect of exciting new TB diagnostics in the future. It's been my pleasure to host today's episode, and I look forward to engaging listeners on similar topics in the future. Thank you very much.